everybody. Tyler Smith here with another mini-sode. This one is going to be a little bit different than our usual mini-sodes uh, because Josh is out of town and uh, I have been a little bit under the weather la- the last few days. So between those two, we have not been able to get together. So this mini-sode is not going to be us talking about uh, our 10 favorite movies of all time. Uh, instead, it's going to be something uh, a little different. It's going to be uh, one of the vintage minisodes uh, in which I just talk about something that's been on my mind. Um, as it happens, this has been on my mind for about, uh, let's say, six months, something like that. I meant to do this minisode, I think, back in January or February or something like that. I don't totally recall. But um, but basically, um, there's and, and as time has gone on, I've thought of more things to say about it. And uh, it seems kind of strange that the opportunity presents itself now because there's been a lot of things that have been, uh, been on my mind. Um, so I'm going to start out by reading a passage from the Bible. This is Matthew 14, uh, verses 25 through 31. So here we go. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down, got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Cried, Oh, sorry, but when he saw the wind... He was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? All right. And then I'll throw in 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So, okay. So what does that have to do with anything? The idea of Jesus walking on the water, uh, that's something we know about, and we know that uh, Peter was unable to for a variety of reasons. Um, so several months ago, I saw a movie called Holy Motors. It's a French film directed by Leos Carrix. Uh, there's probably another way to pronounce that, but uh, I don't know what it is, so... That's what I'm going to say. Um, I had heard very little about it, but I had heard that it was a very strange film. And I actually was scheduled to go to a critic screening of it back in, I'm going to say, November, October. I don't totally recall. Um, and on my way there, I got stuck in traffic. So I was... D- down to the wire, and then uh, I turned left when I should have turned right, thus resulting in probably another five minutes. And I did not want to walk in late, especially to a movie like like this that I had, at the time had heard that it was very strange, and I felt like I should I should definitely see all of it uh, if I'm going certainly if I'm going to review it. And so I opted just to not go to the screening rather than be ten minutes late. And so I didn't see it, and everything was fine. But then. Uh, Critics Awards started happening, and the film started uh, getting a lot of buzz. It wound up on a lot of top ten lists, if not the number one spot. Uh, It won a lot of Best Actor Critics Awards for a guy named... uh, uh, 
it's spelled Dennis Lawant, uh, Lawant but I think it's uh, Denis Lawant. I don't know exactly if that's how it's pronounced. But anyway, um, so I, I heard all of this, and I heard that it was also, and throughout it all, people just said, this. there's so much to this movie, I can't even begin to explain it. And so I went in, and I, and I had the feeling that it was going to be somewhat experimental. Uh, and so as time went on, I, you know, it, it did not get a very wide release. It, it kept popping up in theaters here and there in Los Angeles and I kept missing it. And every time I missed it, I started feeling worse about having not seen it, not merely missing the screening, but having not seen it. And it seemed with each passing week, the film built and built, you know, and so we're into December, January publications are now making their, uh, and websites are making their top 10 of the, of 2012, uh, and Holy Motors regularly showed up on it. And that's, that's all well and good, except if you've listened to this show and if you've listened to Battleship Pretension, you know that, um, my tastes run fairly mainstream, uh, not all the time. And, I'm certainly not opposed to experimental films, but as far as what I like and what I respond to, it tends to be story-oriented and character-oriented. And I had heard that this film is not really that, uh, though there is a great central uh, performance. Um, So as the year progressed, and... For those that know, don't know, for Battleship Pretension, when we we make our top ten list, well into the into the next year. So I think our top ten of 2012 came out in I think February. So um, so I had a while to to see the film, and I was really, and then finally, I my friends and I found a screening, and we all decided to go. And I, at this point, had psyched myself out so much about this film. I was actually kind of dreading the screening. I mean, my my friends, Josh was among them. Uh, my friends probably could have told you that my mood was terrible um, for whatever reason. Uh, well, I knew the reason, but I don't think they did. Um, because I was worried about going to this movie and having the wrong opinion, whatever that might be. I was worried that everyone would love it and I wouldn't. And then I look like an idiot. I look like some dumb hick who just doesn't quote unquote get it. So that was my concern. If I didn't like it, if I did like it, then my concern was I would look like I was jumping on the bandwagon and that truly I probably didn't quote unquote get it, but I'm, I'll talk myself into getting it uh, because everybody else likes it. So literally if I had too negative a reaction or too positive a reaction, I had psyched myself out so much that I felt that pretty much no, I, I could not have a good reaction to it. It was it was crazy in retrospect to talk about it. It was crazy. Um, so we see the movie and I had a mostly gen, uh, generally positive response to it. And as time has gone on since then, by the way, um, I've, 
purchased the film on Blu-ray because I think it's beautiful. There are scenes, and it's a very episodic type of film, so there are some sequences that you'll probably like more than others, but there are some that are just absolutely beautiful and stirring, and it's just... There's a lot going on with the film, and it is indeed quite experimental. It's not a film that can be explained away, uh, except to talk about... It's a film that deals with creativity and artistic expression and any number of things. There's a lot There's a lot going on with the film. Um, and so I, I would say I had a mostly positive reaction to it, but it, my reaction wasn't as positive as the people around me, the people that I went to see the film with. And so, of course, me being me and going into the film with the mentality that I had, that was all I needed to say, like, all right, this this is it. My reaction is wrong. I'm wrong. I'm a fraud. I shouldn't be a film critic because I didn't like Holy Motors. I need to quit. I need to get out of here. And so, uh, as is pretty standard with this group of friends, after we saw the movie, we were all going to go to a... Uh, I believe you might have heard Josh mention it in a recent episode. I don't remember when it was, but uh, a place called Coral Cafe in Burbank. Um, if ever you happen to be in Burbank around 11, 11.30 on a Saturday night, pop into Coral, you'll probably see me. Um, so we were going to go there, and I really didn't feel like being out with these people because everything they... And I didn't feel like talking about the movie because everything that they would say or everything that I would say would be wrong, and I would just I would just hate myself. So um, I believe I had somebody drop me off at my house, and my wife was there. I think she had just gotten back from shooting a wedding, and she's a wedding photographer. And so she said, hey, how, you, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. And she asked how the movie was, and I had wound myself up so much that her asking that caused me to break down crying um, because I, I was sure that that I was just so wrong and I was so worthless in my opinion and that that my stupid mainstream tastes are what are what are keeping me from embracing and loving this film like everybody else and that I just didn't belong and it was just it was such a horrible awful feeling and then later on that night incidentally once I broke down and Jen sort of comforted me I kind of got that out of my system and then I actually drove to a Coral Cafe myself and uh, hung out with everybody and by the way my mood had not really improved and so I'm sure people if you would ask them if they remember they would tell you that my uh, general demeanor was a uh, tense um, <clears throat> later that night I got home and I called my co-host of Battleship Pretension, David, I called him, it was about 2 a.m., and he had seen Holy Motors, and he wanted to know, and he had told me in the past, when you see it, let me know what you think. I'm eager to know what you think. So I called him, but I, I didn't necessarily call him to let him know what I thought. I called him because I didn't know really who else to call. Um, just, he's one of my oldest friends, and 
he can be rather neurotic as well. Certainly not to the degree that I am, but I don't know. And so just, I don't know who I, who I was going to call. Um, so I called him and just said, Hey, I, I got to just get some stuff off my chest. I saw Holy Motors and I basically told him everything that I just told you guys. And he responded by saying, well, what did you think of the movie? He's like, did you have a favorite sequence? And I said, well, probably, you know, such and such a, a sequence. I probably that. And he said, okay. He's like, what did you like about it? And I said, well, I liked this and this and this. He goes, okay. He goes, I, he goes, what I liked was this. And I said, oh, that's interesting that you liked that. And then, so we just went back and forth and there are moments in which I said, well, here's what I take this sequence to mean. And he says, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. And then he would say stuff that I hadn't thought of before. And before you know it, I started feeling better. Um, and it got me thinking, why was I feeling better? I specifically didn't want to talk about the movie. So why was I feeling better talking about the movie? And the reason is to bring us back to the, the story that I, that I just told from the Bible Um, and as I regularly have to remind myself, um, being a a critic as I am attempting to do, the idea is that you're not pointing at yourself. You're pointing at the movies. Uh, you're pointing at the art and you're saying, look at that. That's what matters. Yes, you may like what I have to say about it, but in the end, the art is what matters, not me. Um, I think there's humility in that attitude. And I think a lot of critics, myself included, I think sometimes we get a little mixed up and sometimes we think that we're the, what, that what we have to say about a film is more important than the film itself. Um, and I don't nec- and I don't believe that to be true. Now, what the audience in general thinks about a movie that might be more important than the movie itself. But w- but the critic is there mostly as a guide. But in the end, it is about the art and the audience. Um, so that is what I think a critic is in the broadest possible sense: is they're not supposed to point at themselves. And so by worrying about how I was going to be viewed and whether or not people would think I was a fraud or if they thought that my opinion shouldn't matter. Um, I was not thinking about the film. I was thinking about me. I was focusing on me. I was pointing at myself. But once I started talking with David, I just started talking about the movie and I stopped thinking about me. Now, admittedly, I was thinking about what my response to the movie was, but that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be worrying about what people will think of me. Um, and so to bring it back to this, and it reminded me of this story is this idea of Jesus tells Peter to come to him by walking on water, which of course is uh, impossible to do. Um, and Peter does it and he st- keeps his eyes focused on Jesus and he just walks towards this thing that in this moment specifically, but also in general, this thing that is giving Peter's life purpose. And in this moment, he is giving him the purpose of walk to me and you will be fine. And so Peter starts to do it and everything is going fine. And then he starts to look left and right. 
He starts to feel the wind. He starts to realize, hey, I'm not supposed to be walking on water, right? That's not a thing that happens. And suddenly he starts to sink. Um, and that reminds me of another another thing. Uh, Sean, my friend who uh, has been on this show, I believe, three times, um, and was formerly my personal trainer. I say formerly because he doesn't live here anymore. But I remember uh, early on when he would have me do push-ups, he would say, don't look down, look straight ahead. Find a fixed point, look at that, and you will find the push-ups are much easier to do because you are looking at a fixed point ahead of you instead of worrying about all the things that are immediately uh, affecting you. It could be your arms, it could be the ground, whatever. Focus at the one thing that doesn't change. And you'll be fine. And sure enough, I did that and my form got much better. I still have no upper body strength, but still. Um, And so all this is to say that as Christians, we are supposed to focus on Christ as the center of our life. And if we do that, everything else sort of falls into place. That's not to say that other stuff isn't important. It is, of course. But when we worry about those things first, when we worry about the wind and the water and the waves, I did not anticipate uh, alliteration there, but when we start worrying about those, that's when, that's when they start to overwhelm us. When I start to worry about how I am perceived as a critic If I'm more concerned about that than actually being a critic, that's when I break down crying after I see a movie because I'm worried I won't have the right idea or I, I won't have the right interpretation. And by the way, Holy Motors is a film that's almost impossible to interpret the same way twice. Um... And one of the reasons that I that I feel like it's appropriate for me to talk about this now is that, uh, you know, people often say, hey, Tyler, I really like that you just put everything out there on the podcast. And, uh, uh, yeah, sometimes I use this as a therapy, but I also just want to let people know that just, as I've said before, um, being a Christian doesn't mean you have it all figured out. In fact, it means you are very aware of how much you don't. And... I was telling my wife this today that for whatever reason over the last, I'm going to say week, I have dealt with such paralyzing envy, which I've said in the past is, is that is the thorn in my side. I think I have a lot of thorns, but when it, if I boil it down to one, it's that my insecurity, inferiority, it all comes down to envy. It all comes down to looking at the people around me, seeing what they have, or more specifically, what they can do. Uh, I am very seldom envious of somebody's physical circumstances and much more envious of who they are and what they're able to do, their abilities, their personality traits, whatever. Um, And I just feel like I just come up short. And it just gets to the point, I just absolutely I just hate myself because I'm not that thing 
And then I start to get resentful of the people that do have that. And then I get bitter and then I know I shouldn't be bitter. So I hate myself. And then I look at the people, I look at people and say, I bet they don't envy as much as I do. (laughs) And so literally I get envious over people's, uh, over other people's lack of envy. Um, and it just gets to be so overwhelming and it gets, and it just becomes so negative. It's just so inherently negative. I believe, I don't remember who said this, but uh, I heard it in a sermon one time and I believe the pastor was quoting something, but, uh, the idea that, uh, of the seven deadly sins, envy is the only one that's actually no fun, uh, which is absolutely true. Um, but the thing about envy and I guess all of them, but the thing about envy is that you are so focused on yourself. You may not be focused in a way that makes you feel good, but you're still looking at yourself first and not at God. And when you do that, it's really no different than any of the other things that I've been talking about here. The stuff that will make you wobbly, the stuff that will make you sink, the stuff that will make you break down, keeping your eyes firmly on God and what your purpose is that will make you much I'm just going to go ahead and say happier it doesn't guarantee that you will be happy or that you will not have moments of sadness or inferiority or that your life is going to be perfect all the time but I think it will make you happier Because when you focus on God, you focus on what he has done and you focus on what he says about himself and what he says about you. That is that you are loved and that he loves you. And when you think about that, a lot of other things fall into place or in theory they should. It's amazing how little comfort I find in the idea of God loving me as opposed to, you know, if I get a... You know, I'm sure I'm sure he'll listen to this, but like, you know, I, I, I get comments from the occasional listener and there's a few of them here and there that will just be really critical of something. And I just want them to like me. I want them to think I'm smart. I want them to think I'm insightful. And it's just, and when that doesn't happen, it it doesn't ruin me, but it just, it, I'll probably I'll probably lay in bed awake five minutes more because that comment is made or five minutes longer. You know, it keeps me awake just a little bit longer than I would be otherwise. Um, You know, I get so focused on that, that it's like, oh, well, God, you know, the creator of the universe, uh, he loves you. And to me, the faceless people who comment negatively on my, on either of my podcasts, they matter more than God. And it just makes me, and then of course it makes me wonder, well, what kind of Christian am I? And then I realize, well, I'm every Christian. Every Christian has this thing, the thing that they put not necessarily above God, but they say, yes, I have God's love and that's great. But if I could also have this thing, then I'd be really sitting pretty. And once you start adding stuff to God, that's when you know what your idol is. And so I realize I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I guess ultimately what I'm saying is that trying to be content with God and keeping your focus on God instead of all these other things that are distractions, that is, 
if we do, this is going to sound really cheesy. I'm sorry. If we do that, we can do amazing things. We can walk on water. We can do a solid push up, which for me is a big deal. Um, but it's when we start thinking about ourselves and all these other small, and that's the thing. Some things are big, but compared to God, they are small. So when we get all wrapped up in these small things, that's when we realize just how small we are. But if we focus on the bigness of God, that's when he can elevate us and through us do amazing things. So that was something that's been on my mind for the last several months. Uh, If nothing else, go and watch Holy Motors. I believe it's available on Netflix Watch Instant. So enjoy. Know that it is a strange film, but that it is regularly beautiful. Um, And I don't know who you are or what you're dealing with. Um, Whatever stuff might be distracting you. Um, But if you're anything like me, those things that distract you from God are probably also the the tools that you use to make yourself miserable. And this is easier said than done, believe me, but just do what you can to put those in perspective and keep them where they should be. Not that you shouldn't think about them, not that I shouldn't, you know, it's a, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked by people, wanting to be respected, wanting to have credibility in the critical community. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But they need to have their specific place and that place should not be ahead of God. And so really try to do that. Pray about it. That's the thing is first we need to go to God and say, I'm sorry, I'm not putting you first. Cause that's the thing over the last week I've been, you know, cripplingly envious of, uh, friends and peers and stuff like that. And, it's worth noting that I haven't read my Bible in about a week. So maybe that means something because almost invariably when I read my Bible, I feel like I'm much more plugged in. Um, and I also haven't been praying very much and I used to pray used to, I mean it up until maybe a week ago, I would, I would pray at least once or twice a day for an extended period of time. Um, and so that's the other thing is, when you start getting distant from God, that's when the other stuff starts to really overwhelm you. But anyway, uh, I've been kind of bouncing around, uh, like I said, and as you can probably tell from my voice, I am a little bit under the weather. I am on uh, cold medicine as well. Um, but yeah, hopefully you can take my little, uh, my own little analogy, my own little parable, and uh, find something in your own life that is uh, similar to that. And then look at the story of Peter walking on water, or rather walking on it for a while, and then getting distracted. And you can apply it to your own life and recognize what I've been talking about. But anyway, all right, so next week, Josh will be back. We'll be talking about my, I think, fifth favorite movie of all time, 12 Angry Men. After that, we'll be talking about the film eat pray love starring julia roberts i know it's probably quite surprising that we would be talking about that at all but it is a surprisingly uh, um philosophical film uh 
And so, so yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to, uh, to talk about it. But, uh, and then I also want to give people a heads up that, uh, for two weeks in August, uh, my wife and I are going to be in Switzerland, so there will be no show. We will try to put out, I think, three episodes. I think we'll have time to put up three episodes before that happens. So hopefully that'll tide you over while we're gone, while the show's not happening. But uh, but yeah. So uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me Tyler at morethanonelesson dot com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter dot com slash more lessons. Uh, what I would, what I would really like if you've got the time and the inclination is to go over to iTunes and write us a nice review. If you enjoy the show, please let other people know. And if there's a specific episode that you like, um, maybe share it with your friends on Facebook. That's something that, uh, I don't ask you guys to do enough, but, uh, I, I, for the most part, I'm pretty proud of this show and I would like more people to know about it. And so if there's a specific episode that really resonated with you, put it on your Facebook wall and just see what happens. But anyway, of course, you're under no obligation to do that. Um, And while I am thinking about it, for those that I haven't mentioned this in a while, but uh, Will Gray, a former guest of the show and a friend of mine, he uh, he has cancer and he and his wife have been in Arizona at a clinic trying to trying to fight it and it doesn't seem to be going well. Every update that we get is just about how he's in more pain and that something else is going wrong and that he's finding it hard to breathe. And and I myself have not seen him in a while, but when I last saw him at his apartment, I was dropping off some groceries and uh you know obviously he did not look great and it's just really sad and very disheartening Uh, i've known will for a number of years now and i think of him as somebody who was vibrant and youthful and strong and had so much to give to the world and that's not to say he still doesn't but I, i feel very discouraged and frustrated by what is happening to him right now because not to be cynical, but it looks like the writing is on the wall as far as what's going to happen. But we do believe in a God of miracles, though I almost never pray for a miracle because I'm worried about what will happen if it doesn't occur. But nonetheless, we do believe in a God of miracles. So if you are spiritually inclined to do so, please pray for Will and his wife Angie and that God will work a miracle of healing in Will's life. Yeah, I don't talk about that enough. Because because I'm worried about because I know that not everybody that listens to this is a Christian and I don't want I never want to give somebody the tool to say, "Well, where's your God when your buddy's dying of cancer?" Um, and I don't think anybody would do that, but, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, 
I get really cynical about that kind of thing. But anyway, all right, enough of my uh, late night ramblings. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Hopefully you got something out of it. And hopefully it gives you some, it will, you know, tide you over until next week. But uh, anyway, thank you all for listening and I'll get you next time. Bye.